Let's have a word of prayer before we get started. Lord, thank you for tonight. We pray that you'll bless our time, fill this room with your presence. I pray, Lord, that you'd fill me with your spirit, speak through me, that your word as it's taught and preached tonight would be powerful and uh, living active. It would work in each individual that's here and just stir us and draw us, motivate us, Lord, so that we will live and grow for you. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I started pastoring here in 1976, about 12 people coming to church then, and so income wasn't great. So I looked for other sources of income, and one of them um, was I called the Yellow Pages to see if we could put an ad for our church in the Yellow Pages, and they said, sure, you can do that. And by the way, uh, you pay the price for the Yellow Page ad, and you can put it in two places. I said, why, why would you put your church in two places? What, what would be a second one? She said, uh, the lady I was talking to, she said, well, one of the, the places that some uh, churches put it is under counseling. You could just offer counseling. I said, oh, okay. I, she said, what are you going to charge? I said, I oh, will just make it free. She said, if you say free counseling in the Yellow Page ad, you'll get quite a few phone calls. I said, oh, that'll be cool. So we put it in there, and sure enough... I got quite a few phone calls on counseling, and the counseling was almost all um, marriage counseling, and an awful lot of it was um, uh, people that were living together, not married. And so one of the things I'd suggest, I suggested to them, I said, you know, you'll get along a lot better if you get married. So I did a lot of weddings in the early days of my pastoring, and, uh, and so I don't do weddings anymore. Because I got sort of burnt out on weddings in the early days. I remember one particular wedding. Um, I had the, the vows. They, I said, what do you want to do for the vows? Because everybody, you know, they're all different. and they, just, just the normal things. And so I'm uh, reading it. And it, there's a section in there about the wife being submissive to the husband and the vows. And, and it's, when I read that one, the, 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 the bride-to-be's mother yelled real loud. Take that out. My daughter's not going to say that. And then the, the mother for the groom, she's over on the other side, and she yells, leave that in. And I'm thinking, whoa. I mean, they were pretty, uh, you know, uh, emotional, passionate about their particular view. Well, then it kind of, everybody got involved in this debate. Leaving it in, taking it out, leaving it in, taking it out. I, says, I said, where's the bride? Okay, what, what, what do you want? And she looked at the guy she was going to marry. What do you want? And uh, he looked at me, he says, what do you want? I said, not my wedding. I'm just going to do what you tell me to do. And, uh, so I think we left it in. I think we left it in. The bride's mother was not happy, but we left it in. So I discovered that that's kind of a problem sometimes, this uh, being submissive to your husband part. So we're going to read that tonight, and I'm going to change it. <laughs> Just for you ladies. Just for you ladies. And uh, so we're on First Peter. We're going through the book of First Peter. We're on chapter 3. So let me read to you the first seven verses of chapter 3. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word... They may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, 
braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses. But let it be the hidden person of the heart. Now, notice that little phrase right there. You know that as I preach, one of the things that I talk about a lot is character. The goal of life is to grow in character. The goal of life is to grow in character so that our character is the same as Jesus. That's what it means in the Bible when it says you're perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, that our characters become like that of Christ. So that phrase right there, the hidden person of the heart, that's the real you on the inside, the hidden person. That's because no one really can see it. The heart, if you fall over dead, that's what's going to heaven. Uh, the hidden person of the heart. And so, with the imperishable quality, that's talking about character quality, of a gentle and quiet spirit. A gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. God looks and sees our heart, our character, our inner person, and some people have character that is very much like that of Jesus, and some people have character that is a long ways away. And in these various character traits, they don't have much. And so Peter is saying that when God looks at the inner person and sees this character quality of gentleness, uh, he's impressed. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. Somebody asked me once, Pastor, what do you think is the most difficult command in the Bible? I said, that one in 1 Peter 3 where it says, live with your wife in an understanding way. <laughs> Ooh, who can understand them, huh? <laughs> As with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. So I'm going to take a little different slant on this passage tonight so that I don't leave out unmarried folk or uh, men or guys. We're going to look at it from a perspective for all of us to make application to it. So number one in your notes, as we grow in maturity as Christians, we are growing in character, the hidden person of the heart. And that's what life is about. Life is about growing character, becoming like Jesus. It's not about growing tomatoes. It's about growing character. And so when we are born, we have no character. And we want to grow in character to become like Jesus in every way so that when we step into heaven, we are like him so that we will enjoy him and he will enjoy us for all eternity. God is doing his part constantly as the... As the uh, Molder, we're the clay, and he's shaping and making us into the image of Jesus, but we have to cooperate with the process in order to grow. First Peter 3, 1 through 3, In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart, the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Second Peter, and Peter talks about character a lot, and in Second Peter he says in chapter 1, verse 4, for by these he has granted to us 
his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. You may become partakers of the divine nature. That is, you will become like Jesus in character. He has given us in his word promises and power so that we can become like him, partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason, applying all diligence, all diligence, that means if we're going to grow, it's going to take some work, some effort on our part. All diligence in your faith supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And your brotherly kindness, love. Those are character traits. And Peter's saying, grow. Add these to your life. One, and continue to become like Jesus in character. Number two, we tend to think that submissiveness as in a passive way, that means... Somebody orders you to do something and you say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, I will do what you command me to do. We tend to interpret submissiveness as obedience to a command. Now, it can be, and it often is that way, but there's a way that you can elevate into another um, um, layer, as it were. better way to understand is to be proactive, that is, we choose to serve, not order to serve. Um, now, if you choose, you will enjoy the experience considerably more than if you're ordered. Um, so you've heard about Doc. Doc McMahon, the meanest, grumpiest, orneriest, most cantankerous person God ever created since Adam. And uh, so... I was a driller and I had a rock, a powder license, and we would blow up rock for um, crushers for making asphalt, also for road construction. And we had this drill; it was on tracks, and it had an air compressor, and it had a, a big boom on it. And there was a jackhammer that ran up and down the boom, and we'd drill in ten foot hole with a piece of steel, and then we would unscrew, run the jackhammer up and I would carry over another piece of steel, thread it at the bottom end, hold it while it threaded in the top end, then it would drill 10 feet down again. We would usually drill 100, 120 foot holes and load it full of dynamite and they'd be three feet apart. We'd blow it all up. A lot of fun. So it took 10 to 15 minutes to drill a 10 foot piece of steel. And while it was drilling, I would take a five gallon bucket, sit on it and get my New Testament out and read it or memorize Bible verses. Now Doc hated that. As soon as he saw me take my New Testament out, he'd yell at me, go grease the machine, go haul some water, go grease the end of the steel. There was something. He would yell at me. I'd have to go do it. And then when I got it done, I'd sit in my bucket. Then he'd give me another job. So I was kind of getting a little bit irritated by this, but I, I got to be submissive to him. And so I talked with my dad and he said, so how many things does he have that he can tell you to do? I said, oh, about a dozen. That's all there is? Yeah. Well, get them all done. Then he won't have anything to tell you what to do. Then you can sit on your bucket and read your New Testament. When you get to stealing, go do one of them before he tells you to do it. Then uh, when the next one, go do something else before he tells you to do it. And then when you have them all done... There's nothing he can tell you to do because you already did it all. 
And you're going to feel a heck of a lot better because you did it rather than him telling you to do it. Now, there's no difference. You're still doing what you're doing. But in one instance, I decided to do it. The other instance, he told me to do it. So submissiveness that is proactive, that is, what does Tracy want me to do? I think I'll do it before he asks me to do it. I think I'll do it before he tells me to do it. Um, That is a very, very powerful influencer of relationship when you do it that way. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Even Doc... Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, emptied himself. That means he was submissive, taking the form of a bondservant, a bondservant. Being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, that's what you might call the ultimate in proactive submissiveness. What did I need? I needed Jesus to die for my sins. You needed him to die for your sins, and he did it. Proactively, he decided to do that, make that sacrifice. Number three, when we love someone... We don't wait to be asked or told what to do. We look for opportunities to meet needs and then take initiative. Take initiative. You know what initiative is? That's where you look around and see what needs to be done and do it before you're told. That is a great character trait. Um, There's four levels of initiative. First level is Dad's got to come find you, kick you out of bed, give you a job to do. That's not really initiative, but we'll call it that first level. Second level, you say, hey, Dad, got a job to do? Third level, hey, Dad, you got a job to do? He gives you one, and you go and do it, and you come back and say, I finished it. You want to come see if I did it well and give me another one? Fourth level, You just look for a job to do. You know what needs to be done. You look around, see what needs to be done. Do it. Then, hey, Dad, I did such and such. You get fourth-level initiative, and then you'll be a millionaire. There's not many of those around that do that. Um, God loves people with fourth-level initiative. That is, they do what he wants them to do. They look. They have wisdom. Uh, They work at it. Did I give you three? Yeah, I did. Four, initiative is looking for a need in the life of the person we love and meeting it. Or, person you don't love. Someone like Doc. But it's being submissive proactively. It's taking initiative. Number five, initiative is a Christ-like character quality that is a powerful factor in healthy relationships. It is a very, very big factor in relationships because God loves this character trait. 
He loves his character trait. And those who practice it and grow in it, he blesses. He blesses them with joy. He blesses them with peace. He blesses them with strength. He gives them opportunities to do things for him that matter. Galatians 5.13, For you were called for freedom, brethren. Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh that is doing what you want, but through love serve one another. Serve one another. Number six, the three phrases in this passage, uh, chaste and respectful behavior, a gentle and quiet spirit, show her honor, we'll, we'll wrap those together as the character trait of gentleness. So there's a number of words used, um, humble, gentle, chaste, quiet, honor. We're going to make them all uh, fall under the word gentleness. On our 20th anniversary here at the church, we've been here, I've been here 45 years. When we had been here 20 years, the church gave us $2,000 for the purpose of going to Israel. And so we went to Israel, we flew there, we didn't have go with a tour, uh, we bought an airplane ticket, went there with some the money we had, we rented a car, and then we stayed at cheap places. One of the places we stayed was at a kibbutz, a dairy, on the Sea of Galilee. And if I would milk cows a certain number of times, we could stay there for free. So we stayed there for, I think, a week at this kibbutz, and I milked cows just a little bit, not a lot, and checked out the dairy, what they did and how they did it and what the science was. And then we drove all over the country and saw stuff. And then we also stayed inside the old wall of Jerusalem in a church, and they had a single room with a bed with a bathroom that five rooms shared together, and we got that one for a dollar a night. And then we walked inside this the old walls of Jerusalem. It was a really great experience. And so what we would do, uh, we bought a ticket, a, a book of tickets for all the archaeological sites in Israel. And so we would drive to one. And when we got in there, parked the car, there were a bunch of tours going on, but that one was in German. That one was in Spanish. That one was in French. We would listen and we would, ah, oh, that one's in English. And we would just kind of slide into the group. <laughs> And, you know, become part of the group and walk around and listen to the lectures, what they were doing. And this one particular time, we were on what was called the Mount of Beatitudes, where Jesus supposedly preached the Sermon on the Mount. And the person leading the tour preached a sermon there, the Sermon on the Mount. And when he preached the part, blessed are the gentle, they shall inherit the earth, it was like 10 minutes, and I don't believe in my entire 74 and a half years I've ever been more convicted by a sermon than that one. Just a little short one. His accent was so strong I could barely understand what he said. And I don't know whether it was what he said, how he said it, whether it was the location or what, but I was, man, I'm telling you, I could barely breathe I was so convicted. And there was a bunch of people around, so I didn't want to cry. Blessed are the gentle. And I came to the conclusion, listening to that, that I had a major problem with being gentle. And I needed to work on that one. First Peter 3, 1 through 7 again. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior, the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Chaste and respectful behavior. You, 
Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person, the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, the former, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the gentle. Blessed are the gentle. They will inherit the earth. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you, entreat you, beg you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Walk worthy of someone that's called a Christian, that's a child of God, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Colossians 3.12. And so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on, that means you choose, you choose how you're going to act. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. First Thessalonians 2, 7, but as we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. Titus 3, one and two, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Matthew eleven twenty nine. take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. This is Jesus. Only two qualities that mentions in the Bible that Jesus, that mentions about him, is gentle and humble. So they must have been significant. Number seven, every relationship has times when there is a disagreement which can turn into conflict or it can be resolved in unity and peace by gentleness. Oh, get asked the question. Have you ever had a fight with your wife? Have you ever had an argument with your husband? How about your parents? Ever had a disagreement and got into a discussion that got a little bit heated or with your kids or with an employer or an employer, maybe just a neighbor? Just a discussion that gets mm, kind of carried away. I've had a couple of those in my lifetime. Second Timothy 2.24, and the Lord's bondservant. That's the servant of Jesus. Must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. With gentleness correcting those who are in opposition if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth and they may they come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. So when we practice gentleness as a character trait, what that's saying is that God gets involved. He gets involved and works. Number eight, gentleness is communicating without irritation, anger, haughtiness, or a judgmental attitude. So what Patty and I have done, and I've shared this with you before, is that if my voice starts getting a little bit tense, 
I can't hear it, or I don't realize it, but Patty does. And she'll say, I love you. And that's sort of like a choke chain on a dog. (laughs) And I get the message. And as soon as she says that, I stop. Okay, let's take a breath. Relax. Talk nice. Choose to be gentle. So it's helpful because sometimes I just don't realize that I'm kind of ramping up. You know, I, I think that if I get a little louder, then they'll listen better. If I get a little, you know, sterner, then they'll pay attention. Uh, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Gentleness works. God works when we're gentle. And so Patty helps me. Proverbs 15, when a gentle answer turns away wrath, a harsh word stirs up anger. Number nine, gentleness is treating others with honor. <clears throat> So the fellow that was speaking in Israel, he made this statement. How would you talk to Jesus if he were alive like he was 2,000 years ago? If you happened to be here and he was here and you were going to talk to him, how would you do that? It would be with ultimate honor. We all would. That's how we need to talk our spouse, our parents, our kids, our employer, our employees, like we would talk to Jesus. That's what it means to honor someone, to be gentle and gracious to them. Number 10, gentleness is communicating to others that we love and respect them. We communicate that with our words and the tone of our voice that we do truly love and respect them. Number 11, we can be 100% right and still cause great disunity because of the lack of gentleness. So we have some mottos here in our church. And I say them regularly and others do as well. One of them is God blesses unity, not methods. So sometimes staff, people, we're going to do a program, we're going to do an event, and we're, okay, let's do it this way. No, 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 let's do it this way. I think this way is better. And so one of the things that I'll say periodically, we could all stand on our heads and sing Yankee Doodle, and if we do it together in unity, God will bless it. On our heads singing Yankee Doodle, really? God blesses unity, not methods. And so in relationships, God blesses when there's unity. And the person that proactively is seeking the unity, causing the unity, pursuing the unity, becomes God's favorite. Those who are peacemakers become extra blessed by God. Number 12, gentleness is a fruit of wisdom. We think about what we say and we learn from our mistakes. Now, when I get into a discussion with somebody that turns bad... I'll journal about it, and I'll write exactly what happened, and then I'll write it the way it should have happened, and what I should have said and how I should have acted rather than the way I did. I want to learn every time I blow it in a conversation with anybody. James 3.13, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. How wise are you? 
It's easy. How gentle are you in, with confrontation uh, with people that disagree with you, that are difficult to get along with? James 3.17, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. That's the wisdom that comes from God. 13, it will take constant self-control, self-examination, confession, and repentance to be gentle if we're going to grow in that character trait in our life. This fellow that was in Israel that convicted me so my socks came off and back on again, uh, I mean, I just, right to the core of my being. He said this, he said, of all the character traits you will pursue, this will be the most difficult one because it's not in our nature and it's not in the nature of the world. That's not the way they talk to each other. That's not how they deal with problems. They assume that the person that is the most assertive gets his way. And that's true if God were dead. But if God is alive and working, it's the individual that is the most gentle, most humble, that appears to be the one that's going to lose, that God will bless. And that individual will be exalted because he promises that if you humble yourself, I will exalt you. You exalt yourself and I'll humble you. And so when you've been humbled by God, you're humbled. It's counterintuitive. We assume that we want to win and we win the same way we win football games. First Timothy 6.11, flee from these things, you man of God. Pursue, pursue, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, gentleness. Pursue it. Work at it. 14, ask God for his strength to fill you with the Holy Spirit every day. God loves to give strength to those who ask, and the more he asks, the more he gives. Somebody was reading the book of Ecclesiastes the other day. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's a weird book. They said, should we obey the book of Ecclesiastes? I said, no, that's a book that tells you what you ought not to do. So Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, didn't he? He did. Didn't he write the book of Proverbs? Yeah, he did. He started out as the wisest man on the planet Earth, and he ended as the dumbest man on the planet Earth. Wow, what a journey. Why? He only asks for wisdom one time. One time. God says, what do you want me to give you? How about wisdom? And God gives him wisdom and he became the wisest man. Never ask for it again. You know why? I'm there. I got it. And he didn't realize it, but he went downhill rapidly. And he became stupid and dumber than a fence post. With zero wisdom. Never ask again. So, you want strength? You want power? Be able to do what God wants you to do? Ask for strength every day, every day, every day, every day. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Fruit of the Spirit means the Holy Spirit working in us gives us, causes us to be gentle. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. That means prayer. That we may receive mercy, may find grace to help in time of need. God loves to give strength. He loves to give joy. He loves to give anything that we need to pursue holiness and righteousness and gentleness. Fifteen, gentleness is very important if we want to be effective as a witness for Jesus. 
you can attract people to faith in Jesus Christ, they look at your life and see you be like Jesus, and the word that described him was gentle. 1 Peter 3.15, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness, with gentleness and reverence. That's what God blesses. 1 Peter 3, that they may be one, that they may be one. That is, that they would become a follower of Jesus without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. 16, when we have gentleness in our heart, God is very impressed with us. God is very impressed with us. And in fact, we become his favorite. And you can put that T-shirt on. God loves everybody, but I'm his favorite. I think I'm going to print up a bunch of those. First Peter 3 again. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person, the hidden person, the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, the former, in former times, the holy woman also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. You husbands, in the same way, you live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor, honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Your prayers will not be hindered. You know what that means? It's a possibility that God won't listen to your prayers. If you live like the world. If you're not gentle. If you're not putting other people first. Your prayers will be hindered. That means God doesn't listen to them. He doesn't answer them. And... Uh, I've heard you've heard me say this before. I puzzle whenever we have five days of prayer, prayer events, and I say, y'all come, come on, come on, come on. The more we pray, more God's going to bless people, get saved. And then a whole bunch of people don't come. Why? And I know the reason is because inside they have this sense. God doesn't listen when I pray. God doesn't work when I pray. Now I could say, no, that's not true. But the fact is, it probably is true. Because when your prayers are hindered, when he says your prayer is an abomination, there's several verses that say that. You're not going to pray. Because you'll sense that in your spirit. It's sort of like listening on the cell phone and you got cut off and pretty soon you have the, hello, hello. You don't keep talking. So what we ought to do is take care of the cause for us getting cut off and God not listening to our prayers. So the way we talk to people, the way we treat people, the way we react and respond to those who uh, don't agree with us, the ones that argue with us, the ones that create problems in our life, how we deal with that is going to determine to a very high level whether God is going to bless you, use you, hear your prayers, give you power. It's counterintuitive because the world says, if you go here, I'm going to go here. But it doesn't work. And so 
Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. He will exalt you, and he will bless you, and he will use you, and he will glorify you. Uh, But it's a tough choice because our flesh doesn't want to do it that way. We have to choose. Put on, he said, put on like a coat. Choose how to act. And when we do the way Jesus did, then he'll use us and he'll bless us. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word, and I pray that you would help each of us. I know, Lord, I got so convicted about that years ago, and I still struggle with my own flesh wanting uh, to fight, wanting to just out-argue, out-debate, out-intimidate. Lord, you don't honor that. You don't work in that. You don't bless that. I pray that you would help me, each of us, to choose to be gentle, humble, gracious, disciplined in our speech, in our reactions, and trust you to work in the hearts and lives of people around us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.